AOS fans, welcome to this week's edition of Yard Work. I'm Brian Eller with MassInSports.com and uh, talking to Steve Molesky. And Steve, I would normally say I'm alongside you here, but you are uh, a little bit uh, far away from me right now. How are things in Houston? I'll tell you what, Brian, it's the humidity is oppressive. It is hot in Houston, but uh, I guess the good news for the fans and for the uh, Orioles and Astros is they've closed the roof the last two nights, and I bet they can do it again tonight. 73 degrees inside when the roof is closed at Minute Maid Park. That's a little bit more comfortable than, you know, getting up in the 80s and 90s. So it's good to have that option for sure. So now you've been doing like 80% here. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just ridiculous. That's brutal. I can't imagine. But so have you enjoyed the road trip? Uh, did you have a nice time in LA? Yeah. I mean, Anaheim was a nice area, nice ballpark. I've seen less of Houston because, um, just because it's the downtown area and, haven't gotten out too much besides the ballpark, but uh, right. Anaheim, we had a couple nights free to do things, and so um, enjoyed seeing new places and uh, just looking to see the Orioles get their bats going. Yeah, I know we we always talk, seems like every week, uh, we we'll kind of talk about how it's very easy to get caught up in the short term. Uh, you know, if fans want to take it, you know, each day, very overreact, uh, but as we said, it's a long season, but uh, since we do these every week, you know, it, it's always good to just kind of take a look at what's happened uh, since we, we lasted our podcast. Um, so I think in the last week, obviously they hit the road trip. They took the series from the Angels, uh, which is great. Um, could have had the sweep, but you know, the Sunday game didn't go their way. They've now dropped the first two to the Astros, so they're looking to salvage the finale tonight. Um, I mean, I think the theme of this road trip, certainly in the Houston series, like you said, is the offense uh, kind of sputtering a little bit. Um, to me, I, I kind of think that that is one of the byproducts of the type of lineup that the Orioles have. You know, they're, you're going to have those nights where they hit four and five home runs and put up, you know, close to 10 runs. But you also might have those nights like on Tuesday night where they struck out, I think it was 19 times. Now that's a little bit extreme, but, um, do you sense any sort of, uh, is, is panic, you know, too far-fetched a word to use? What are you kind of thinking from what this offense has shown over the past week? Well, in the clubhouse, panic is way too far of a word. Right. There's just, there's just no one, no one doing that. I mean, the or the Oriole players, they, they, they don't. If they had scored ten runs tonight on this road trip, they wouldn't be acting great about that either. They'd be, they'd right. be the same in there today. That's just the the way they approach it. It served them well. It will continue to. And so, we have seen this before. It's frustrating because this road trip got off to such a good start. They hit back-to-back home runs Friday night to the mm-hmm. first two batters of the game. They scored nine. Weeders uh, rescues them with a huge home run, a three-run shot in the ninth Saturday. And I, I thought they might roll through some of these games. Right. Uh, and then Jared Weaver start throwing that slop up there, and I say that with affection. Uh, you know, the off-speed assortment. And it kind of, I don't know if that put them into a funk, but... They've struggled, and they've chased too many pitches since. And so 58 strikeouts in four games, 37 in this series is way too many. We know that. The good news is, on the whole, if you look at the entire season, the Orioles are about average in strikeouts, believe it or not. I know fans right. would think, well, they've struck out way more than anybody else. Well, that's not even close to true. And so they have struck out about how they have in the past. And they're actually last year where they were third in the league. This year they were eighth, as I checked yesterday. And so they might be seventh or sixth now after another big number. Right. So, but 
they just got to get out of it. They will. This too shall pass. Some runs are coming. Less strikeouts are coming. Some homers are coming. And the fans say, okay, let's do it now. Right, exactly. And and, and like you said, I think the we kind of got spoiled in the early part of the season by a team that, you know, they weren't striking out as much. They had, you know, that plate discipline. So a few nights where they kind of, you know, take those those swings and those cuts. Um, I think most of the time managers will tell you that they, they'd rather have players going up and at least getting the ball a bat off the shoulder and, and swinging at those pitches. Um, ideally, you know, they, they want to find the pitches they can hit. But, yeah, like you said, I think this is just a, a, a brief slide. They'll get it back. Um, and certainly there's still this road trip is certainly still south. I mean, if they, you know, get the finale tonight and then you go on to Cleveland, who is certainly, um, they're, they're good. They're not, they're not great. Um, you know, and certainly all those are winnable games. And I think they can certainly, uh, you know, still on, end up on the right side of this for the road trip. Uh, they can. And they have a big series at home with Boston when they get there right. on Monday. So they've fallen back now at two games out. I mean, they were in first place for the longest time. So, uh, time to get it going. Hopefully tonight is the night. Absolutely, and it's. Uh, I think hopefully some fans will take some comfort. Kevin Gosman, uh, who's been uh, very nice. I don't even want to say a surprise because you know certainly he, he. This is always supposed to have been his his potential drafted so high. Um, I think it, it's certainly nice to see. I know he had sort of a, a setback on the last uh, start, but overall he's definitely been one of the uh, you know the top two pitchers for this rotation. Hopefully he'll try to get uh, get the Orioles uh, a win tonight. So. Yep, we're going to say him. He's just been having such a good year. So they haven't Absolutely. scored much for him. So the irony would be, uh, as they've slowed to not score much for anybody, maybe the breakout will come for him, uh, would right. kind of be a nice turnaround. Absolutely. So I guess in a bit of, you know, front office news over the week, uh, the big world news, uh, the Brian Mattis trade, um, I guess give me your thoughts on, on that, Steve. Brian Mattis obviously going to, uh, the Braves along with the 76th. Overall draft pick, I believe, right. uh, for a couple of minor league pitchers. Um, we'll talk about the, the draft implications uh, in a couple weeks as we get closer to draft time. But I guess what what did you what were your thoughts on the whole Manis deal? I think it's probably hopefully going to be good for both sides. I mean, I think Brian Mattis wasn't pitching well. Uh, he's not even sure why that was. Uh, that last outing was really really bad. We know, and there were some fans saying they got to get rid of him. So. They got they got rid of him. It wasn't quite that abrasive. They got something for him, and um, you know the Braves took on three million dollars or, or a little short of that to get that draft pick. It appears because they immediately DFA'd Brian, so he's waiting to find out his next destination. Right. I think the good, you know, the bottom line was as someone from the team th- uh, said to me, we could have DFA'd Brian, and then we just remove a player, and it, it's at a cost of three million here. We saved that money. We got two pitchers. We gave up a pick, yes, but we like the pitchers they got. And now they can reinvest that money at the trade deadline or at some point to help this this year's team. If they just DFA cut Brian, you've removed a struggling player, um, and you're also out $3 million to do it. Here, they removed a struggling player. They added a couple pitchers for the farm, and they still have the money. They lost right. the draft pick, and a lot of fans – are unhappy about the pick. There's no guarantees of 76 pick, and fans know I love the farm too, so I like draft picks. I'm all for them. Exactly. They still have four of the top 91. They still have things they can get done in this draft. Exactly. Um, and I mean, did you did you think it was time for for Manis to go? Would you have given it some more time to see if he could rebound from his struggles, or did you think? Can you kind of sense when? Okay, clearly something's amiss. 
um, this isn't going to, it might not work out. I, I think that's the point they got to that where, um, you know, Brian's last outing, I mean, he didn't have a lot on the ball. He wasn't commanding it. It just looked really bad. So that doesn't mean he can't get it together somewhere else. Maybe he will. Maybe he has some lingering issues from the injury over the summer, over the spring. I mean, and, you know, it's just it's just a parting of the ways that's hopefully going to work for both. And some of these pitchers the Orioles got, they, they like. We don't know if they'll ever make the majors. But, um, you know, maybe Brian needs someone to give him the chance to start. And if he signs a minor league deal, there's no reason not to. Right. Uh, a team that signs him and sends him to AAA, let him start. Let him throw all his pitches. Let him build up some innings and see if he can reinvent that again. Because when I saw Brian pitch coming up as a prospect, he had a four-pitch mix that was really special. He never threw that hard. He was always 91-92. Mm-hmm. But the curve and the changeup, he could pitch backwards. He could he could uh, mix his pitches. I mean, he really had a good – I mean, he was compared to Cole Hamels as an amateur. Not in terms of he's going to be as good as Cole, but that style of pitching. And I could see it. When I saw Mattis, I said, wow, I can see the comparison. Uh, the, the style they pitch, the pitches they use, how they go after hitters. And, you know, um, it's never too late to find that again. And if you're mad as I'm sure that's exactly what you're thinking. Right. And I think I think fans will immediately jump to some guy named Arietta who's doing kind of okay in Chicago. Again, that's, that's a pretty extreme case. I, I, I hope, you know, that no mutually franchise would, would uh, you know, look towards that crystal ball, uh, you know, process. But, of course, fans are, are thinking, hey, maybe, you know, Mattis will revitalize his career and end up being a great pitcher. But, um, but yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think it, at this point they really have nothing to lose uh, wherever he ends up, you know, like you said, a minor league contract. Hey, just just, just let it all out there. Show what you can do. Um, well, he certainly did come in with Maybe he will so. turn into that. I, I, that. That's a long shot. And so right. – um, you just can't be afraid to make moves because one didn't work out for you. Um, right. You know the the Chris Davis trade. The, the you know the Rangers can't be afraid to trade another guy because he might hit 50 homers. Uh, right. the, the Seattle trade. The Mariners can't be afraid to make another trade because they might lose it. Adam, the future Adam Jones. So things happen in trades, and you just uh, it's that's why if you know there's not a crystal ball to tell us, but um, exactly. the fans' message. Before this trade was, we got to get rid of Brian Mattis. He's killing us. Yeah. They got rid of Brian Mattis, you guys, and they don't. And 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 you know, not to say he was killing the team, but he was hurting the team. Sure. And so he can't do that anymore. Hopefully, these these other pitchers, they got a stack of lefties. Tolliver's first crack, and then we'll see if Dunsing, who pitched last night at AAA, how he factors in. There's other guys they like, so they're going to try to get some left-handed help for that bullpen. Absolutely. And, and you know, speaking of the bullpen, I, I think, you know, it, if you look at the, the struggles with, with Mattis and then, you know, Dylan Bundy has had some, uh, a few bumps along the road there. I think I always like to focus on, you know, some, some of the bright shining stars in that bullpen. And it, I, I think Brad Brock is just one of the most underrated guys that, that people, he really doesn't get a lot of credit for uh, the, the, uh, the stuff that he shows. And um, he just seems to go out there whenever it's called upon and he seems to be so versatile and he can give you go out there for two batters or two innings, you know, and really is able to kind of hold the situation down uh, or at least maintain it depending on, I mean, have you, how impressive have you been with, with Brock this season from what you've seen? 
Yeah, very impressed. I mean, he's like, he's got like a starter's repertoire that's being used in the bullpen. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy's got at times a swing and miss changeup. He's got some some breaking pitches he likes, and he can throw ninety five. I mean, he can bring the gas. He comes mm-hmm. in sometimes. He's pumped up. He's touching ninety six, and he's throwing the ball by hitters. He's got some late life. I mean, um, he's he's very poised out there. He's not afraid. He, he wants the ball in a tough spot. Fits in so well with this bullpen because. They don't even. They can use him before the eighth. They've got the eighth and ninth covered, and right. you get a weapon like Brock and Givens, and you know that you can go to sooner. Uh, as we know, with the oral rotation, at times struggles to get innings. So that's a good thing to have. And and, in, and I've always thought in the American League, a lot of games are lost innings five, six, seven before you. Most teams have some pretty good guys late, and they might have some good starters. And it's that middle underbelly, middle relief, where games get away. And with a guy like Brock, he that that's his time. He you know you, we see him in the seventh, but he could pitch sooner. You could pitch him six, seven, one night, and there's things you can do with him to really help you win. Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned Gibbons too. They they just have really been you know I think for so long. The, we're seeing especially in baseball the value of a bullpen, and I agree with you. You know the eighth and ninth inning, of course, you want to have a, a good setup man and a good closer for those situations. But yeah, those those fifth through seventh innings. Um, kind of are when the hitters are starting to get adjusted. Maybe they're going through uh, the lineup, you know, flipping over a, a second, third time there. And that's, of course, when the average usually creeps up for, uh, you know, get lost starters to be able to bring a guy like Brock or Gibbons, uh, whomever in is certainly a, a nice, uh, a nice, uh, good, good thing to have about the New York. Suffer for hitters now. I mean, some, there are some games where they face a top starter and maybe they only face him twice. Third time through, they bring in Brad Brock throwing 95. Fourth time through, it's Britain throwing 97 with sink. And so some some nights it's tough to be a hitter uh, because right. you're seeing Brock or someone or the other team's Brock on the third time and Britain on the fourth and guys like that uh, in those later at-bats. Right. Um, I guess, Steve, switching to the offense a little bit, what did you make of the uh, the lineup switch last night? Uh, kind of kind of reshuffle the deck a little bit there. I mean, I know it's only one game; we can only take so much sample size from it. But did you did you like the idea of uh, putting scope in the second slot there? Uh, you know, what was kind of your first early impressions on that on that lineup switch? Well, first thing is is Buck's explanation for scope batting second, which wasn't necessarily to shake it up. He said he looked at the splits. Scope was struggling against left-handed pitching, ironically. Hmm. And it's not that different, but he's 250 to 280, sitting right-handers better. And Buck's explanation when I asked him yesterday was, if I put Scope between towards the bottom between, say, Alvarez and Flaherty, that's three uh, advantage for a left-handed pitcher late in the game. In other words, two lefties and a right-hander who's not hitting lefties yet. So he wanted to move him out of that. And he says, I know he'll see right-handers where he's at. So that was an interesting explanation because I thought it was more about kind of shaking it up a little bit. Right. Uh, but the second part of that is we saw Reimold and Kim, and I'm in favor right now of seeing a little more of both. Um, and so I, I do think uh, we should see more of them. It doesn't mean every night, but maybe a little more consistently than we've seen one or both. Uh, both are doing well. I'm just finishing up a blog here, Brian, that you'll see on MassInSports.com soon, and, and people will have seen it probably by the time they hear this, um, mentioning that those two are near the bottom of the Orioles in play, in, at bats plate appearances, but they're one and three in batting average. Right. So, you know, they've done all they can to say, hey, Buck, give me a bigger shot. And so 
it's t- it's tricky. He doesn't want to bury record. He doesn't want the kid to go in the tank and feel like Bucks uh, doesn't support me anymore, and he wants to keep giving him chances. And Rickert leads the team in play, pitches per plate appearance. He's working right. the count. He's doing things a leadoff hitter should do, and he's made many good plays defense. So there's the value he's bringing. Yeah, and Reimold. so a lot of good, lot of good outfielders for for only three spots. But Reimold and Kim, I'm in favor of seeing a little more of them. Yeah, I agree. Reimold has 71 plate appearances, and he's got you know batting over 300. Kim, uh, you know, 37 plate appearances. That's all, and he's batting 438. Now again. It's sort of the, you know, the maybe the is the average still high because of the lack of plate appearances, or is that really, you know, uh, does he deserve more? I agree with you. I think I, I want to see them more. They're certainly earning their uh, the Bucks' decision to, you know, put them in the lineup when they're called upon. I think one thing that Rickard did, especially with such a hot start that he got off to, both on offense and defense, is he kind of gave himself a little bit of a leash, uh, which we've seen. You know, we know the average wasn't going to stay probably in the 300s. Um, it's, it's dipped down now to, uh, I think he's around 250, 260, um, which, which might be about where he, where he is, uh, throughout the season. Uh, like you said, he's also able to stretch those pitch counts. He's got those long at bats and that's where his, you know, that's where his forte is. And I think he's kind of given himself enough leash. Like you said, there's only three spots in an outfield. Um, it's a good problem to have, but Kim is definitely the wild card factor too, because fans seem to be very, on one side of the fence or the other. You know, they're either, hey, this guy's got a good batting average, he works the pitch count as well, I want to see more of him, or, you know what, hey, he's got a lot of those chop hits, you know, those infield hits. I don't think I've ever seen a guy with more infield hits to start his uh, big league career, but, yes, I think last night, especially with those um, those couple of doubles, he was able to show, hey, you know what, some some of the hits that he uh, can make can, can leave the uh, infield. And so I'm, I agree with you. I think I, Ryan Mullen can are certainly uh, earning their chances, and I think they should see more of them for sure. Well, you may see Kim in the lineup tonight. Joe Walter said he'd play two of three here, and he's played one of two, so the simple math tells us he's probably going to play him tonight. That's right. And so um, it's that old cycle. For, for guys who don't practically play, Show Walter's take is usually play me more. I'll play you more if you hit well, you know. And so it's a tough thing because you can't just – Go walk. And I, I had, did an interview with Reimold in Anaheim where he discussed this topic. And I went up to him and I said, hey, here's my take on something and tell me yours. He goes, what? I said, playing irregularly, sitting on the bench for a week and then playing and getting two hits is the toughest thing to do in the major leagues. And he just looked at me and said, I'm not going to disagree with you. Um, and he's kind of learned uh, better how to handle that over the years, he told me, which was interesting. It makes sense. I think when you're a young kid, uh, and you played every day in the minor leagues. Now you're called up to the majors. You're not a starter. Uh, Joseph told me that. He said, Steve, I'm used to getting, you know, 20 at-bats a week, 25. And now I'm getting four. And it's just fair to say, you know, now I'm hitting the best pitching I've ever seen, and I'm not playing every day. So now go hit. It's tough to do. And so Reimold's done it, and Kim has done it. And so they've they've been impressive with that. Right. And I think some people forget Reimold debuted the same year at Weeders, you know, so they've 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 put in a lot of service time Arnold's in his in the eighth season. Um and so I, I it's hard, you know, because he gets in, you know, pretty infrequently. Sometimes you forget just how much of a veteran this guy is, you know, even though you know he plays a little bit sparingly. I think I think one of the nice things is when this team does struggle, they go to their cold spots at the plate or even maybe with the rotation. Um there's a lot of veteran guys on this team that are able to Kind of sit there and, like you said, take a step back. You said the clubhouse really doesn't change from night to night based on a win or a loss. They know this is 
a long season. They know it's only the, you know, it's getting towards the end of May. Got a lot of baseball to play, and they're still in second place. I think the last two nights, let's not act like the Orioles are falling into, you know, fourth or fifth place and being eliminated. They're, you know, they're, they're, you know, got to chase the heels of the, the hot Red Sox. But the one nice thing about the Red Sox coming down is the Orioles are now in the driver's seat, right? If you want to put a dent into their, uh, you know, schedule a little bit and get back atop the division, all you got to do is beat them. You know, now that's certainly easier said than done, but I do kind of like the, the veteran presence with this team. And like you said, the clubhouse really doesn't change from night to night, partly because these guys know, hey, this is, this is a long season. Uh, they know it better than any. Uh, they prepare for it, the, the ups and downs, the grind, as they call it. And so they, they just know it. They, they, they know that's what it takes. And, and I'll tell you this, the Red Sox are not going to score seven or eight runs a night for the rest of the season. If they do, they'll win the East, and they'll, they'll, they might win it going away. They're on a hot streak right now. They've been tearing up some pitching staffs, and they look good. And so all credit to them for that. But they won't score seven runs a night. Some of that will equalize, too. And, um you know, um, fall back, and so we'll see. Uh, maybe they'll have to get to Baltimore, if not sooner. But the Orioles got their own issues to work out. Still, four important games before they get there. Absolutely, and, and I guess just kind of looking ahead. Obviously, the Boston series is what people are looking towards, but uh, they still have to go to Cleveland for three games. They'll finish out against the Astros, but the Orioles were five and one against the Indians last year, um, so they uh, had their number last year. Of course, at that. that can change from year to year, but um, I guess is there anything you're looking towards towards the Cleveland series? Anything um, that we should keep an eye on, or do you think the Flakes they have a good chance to uh, kind of right the ship here? I mean, you know, you will be watching closely Ubaldo's next start, which I believe is set for Saturday because he right. struggled so badly. And Saturday will also be the day when Gallardo will throw a sim game. He had another bullpen. It sounded like it went well yesterday, and so um, that was good. He continues to progress. So a sim game Saturday, it's probably a second one. First one, two innings, second one, three or four. And then it's either a third sim game or now do you get them to the minor league rehab. And that's probably where the point where they will. And then when you do that, it might only be one or two. So it sounds like a long way, but it's not that far down the road here with this guy now. He's reaching the point he's going to pitch in game conditions Saturday in Cleveland. And so uh, maybe a week or two after that, he could be pitching in the minors. Call me crazy, Steve. I, I still, at this point, I know he struggled. I don't see Jimenez leaving the rotation when Gallardo is ready. Am I, am I crazy? What, what, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the only thing he could do is put him in the bullpen. And right. So it's kind of crowded there now, and that's really not his role. But it's an option. I mean, it would be one way to get Giovanni in without anybody else going. Right. And so um, we're just going to have to see. That, that decision, again, uh, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, when they have to make it, there might be a lot of things very different. So we're going to see uh, where they stand when the time comes. What the good news is, I, you know, the, the, it seems to be, when I read between the lines of Buck's comments, here's what I hear. Yovani's DRA is seven. His shoulder issue was a part of that. His shoulder is much better now. Let's see what we got. That's what I hear. Right. Right. And it makes sense. That makes sense, you know. Um all right, Steve. So I think next week we will get into a little bit of the draft. Um, the draft coming up to June 9th or 11th. So next, next Thursday should be a good time to, uh, give a little preview of what the Orioles might do, where they stand. Um, and hopefully maybe we'll try to, uh, get to talk to Gary Rasich or somebody from the Orioles that can, uh, give us a little insight on, on the, uh, on the draft plans. Well, draft is big. And I mean, I think Rasich has done a pretty good job. This will be his fifth, the scouting director of the Orioles and, 
Um, you know, he brought Gosman in, he brought Hunter Harvey in, brought Yastrzemski in, Mancini, Cisco, um, a lot of guys who are trending up and who are having good years in the minors, and even some guys they found later in the draft, like John Means and Matthew Grimes are two guys pitching very well with Frederick uh, right now that the Orioles are very high on. So um, that's that's important. You, you You stock the minor leagues, and you need to stock them, but you also hope – you get some hits. It's hard to get hits in the draft, Brian, even with 40 picks, but uh, it's 40 important picks. Excellent. Excellent. And we're all excited for that. Um, in the meantime, we'll check it out. The Orioles finish up their series in Houston and then head to Cleveland for three before returning home uh, for a nice little Memorial Day weekend series against the Red Sox. So exciting stuff. Steve, thanks for taking the time. We'll see you. Uh, we'll talk next week. Sounds good. All right. Take care.